Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis chapter 24, verses 10 through 20. I invite you, if you so desire, to turn with me in your own Bible or in the Bible found there in the pews around you. As this is in the book of Genesis, it's at the beginning, so it's pretty easy to find. So Genesis chapter 24, verses 10 through 20. Hear now these words. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed taking all kinds of choice gifts from his master. And he set out and went to Aram Naharam, the city, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside of the city by the well of water. It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. And show steadfast love to my master Abraham. I am standing here by the spring of water. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Let the girl to whom I shall say, please offer your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the daughter, the wife of Nahor. Abraham's brother, coming out with her water jar on her shoulder. The girl was very fair to look upon, a virgin whom no man has known. And she went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me sip a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels." This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we gather today, I do give thanks for the opportunity for us to just be one. Whether we're gathered here in person or those that are joining us online. The opportunity to know that we're sharing with one another, with others at the same moment in the word of God. And that opportunity to praise God together. It fills us and renews us each week. With that, let us go to God once again for a time of prayer. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for this time that we are able to share together, joining together with so many others to be one body, one mind, one spirit. And so as we share in this time, would you speak to us now, Lord? Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears, and penetrate our hearts. May they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this 
in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. What is one of the most generous things that someone has ever done for you or given to you? What is one of the most generous things that somebody has ever done for you? For me, I quickly recall back as we were dealing with the Y2K thing. Anybody remember that? The fear of going from 1999 to 2000, and we were all concerned about what was going to happen. Were our computers just going to suddenly blow up and nothing was going to work around us? In the midst of that time, my life was a bit chaotic and busy. At that time, I was in my last year at completing my Master of Divinity, and my wife and I were married, and I was serving as a student pastor of a small rural congregation, and on top of that, as if we didn't have enough going on, we also had a child that was about to turn two years old, and on top of that, we had another child that had been born just three months before. And so let's just say January 1, 2000 was a time of stress. In my life. And on top of that, as if I didn't have enough going on, the bishop, the bishop decided that that would be a good time for me to, to be a part of a mid-year move. For I was leaving my student appointment, and the bishop was asking me to go ahead and begin in January of that year 2000 and start as an associate pastor at another congregation where they were already going to be appointing me come June, but they asked me to start. A, year, a semester early. And so, it wasn't like I had enough going on. Believe it or not, at that time, you may find this hard to believe, I did have a head full of hair. Not much longer after that. But at that time, I did. Life was chaotic. It was stressful. But we were making do. And in fact, Jennifer and I had already made the, the reservation for the moving truck. And we had been faithfully and dutifully boxing up all, as much of our belongings as we could. And then something happened. I got the flu. Do you remember that was a thing before the pandemic? how we would get the flu, and I got the flu, and oh, it was miserable. And it was just a day before I was supposed to pick up the moving truck, and it was awful. We had already lined up all these people to come and help us to move, but I got sick. And in fact, that night, I got even sicker and sicker, and I was in so much pain that Jennifer knew that I needed to go to the emergency room. And so... I could not, I was in no condition to drive myself. And so we got up the two little boys, the three-month-old and the one about to turn two in the middle of the night for her to just drive me up to the emergency room and me roll out and go on in as she took the children back home. Long story short, not only did I have the flu, I developed pneumonia. And in, dis in addition, at the same time, I developed pancreatitis. Have you heard of that? It was awful. They found that the duct between my gallbladder and my pancreas was getting a stone would get lodged there. It was causing this horrible pain unlike anything I had ever experienced. I was in the hospital for 13 days. And in the midst of that, the church that I was going to had reached out to Jennifer. And they had reached out and they found about what was going on. And so what they decided to do is they rented a moving truck on their own. They got together a team of people and they came to our house and they packed up all of our belongings. Now, folks, that's a humbling experience. 
there are some things of yours that you don't want somebody else to pack, okay? But they packed up all of our belongings, put them onto a truck, and they moved them to the new house and then unloaded the truck and put everything inside of the house. All the while, I was laid up in the hospital. Now, I jokingly will say that that was one of the easiest moves I've ever had. Not one that I ever want to go through again, though. But it was one of those things that I was humbled. I mean, I couldn't do anything. All I could do was lay in that bed and attempt to recover. And yet they did this act for me. They didn't even know me. As I say so many times, they didn't know me from Adam. And I am Adam. Yet they were willing to give of themselves, to give of their time, their energy. They were willing to give of their resources to rent the truck and to make it all happen. Receiving such an act of generosity, that's something that left a mark on me. And I will always remember those people and what they did for me to show me love when they didn't even know me. I was just a stranger to them. And yet, they were still willing to give in such an incredible way. When I think of the story of Rebecca, as we have been going through this oldies playlist this summer, reliving some of these stories that maybe you learned in vacation Bible school, or maybe you remember sitting in Sunday school and having a teacher read a lesson to you, or even the felt board. Anybody remember felt boards? How they would have those things on there and, and living out. You could see the picture of how it happened. Or maybe you even had a children's storybook or a children's story Bible that had pictures illustrating the things that we were learning about. I've enjoyed reliving some of those stories and learning and being reminded of those things that we learned from long ago. And the story of Rebecca is one that has continued to be something that I hold on to because it reminds us of the way that God fills us with such incredible generosity. Now, for the story of Rebecca, just to, to backtrack a little bit, the story of Rebecca really is also the story of Abraham. Abraham, as you remember, had been called by God, and Abraham is getting late in life. And Abraham has one son, Isaac. And Abraham knows that it is his responsibility to make sure that while he is still breathing, that he finds a suitable companion, a suitable mate for his son Isaac. And so Abraham charges his servant to go to this land and to go and to find, find a spouse for Isaac. And so the servant is given this task. Now, one, put yourself in the sandals of the servant who receives this task to go to this other land to find a spouse for Isaac. I mean, have you ever at work had your manager say something that they need you to do something? You're like, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, what an incredible task to have to go. And this is a big deal to go and to find a spouse for Isaac. I can't imagine how anxious I would be having been handed such an assignment. But we learn that the servant goes. And as he goes, he has, the, all of the, he has 10 camels. And he has all these lavish gifts that he's prepared to try to woo whoever he needs to woo to make sure that he comes back successful. And as he approaches, he prays. That's what a lot of us do when we are full of anxiety and concern. He prays. And he prays a very specific prayer. He says, Lord, when I get to the well, let let the one that offers me something to drink, but 
also waters the camels, be the one that you have sent. Very specific prayer. And so he goes, and it's about evening time when, when the women would typically go out to the well to get their water. He sees Rebecca. He runs up to her. Give me something to drink. Can I have just a sip of water? And she lowers her jar and gives him a little bit of water. But then without even his asking, she says, drink, and I will water your camels until they are finished drinking. Now, this is going a little bit over what he, she had to do. This is way over what she had to do because, really, a camel is capable of drinking up to 20 gallons of water, up to 20 gallons of water after a long journey. And so... Let's do some math here. Some of y'all are probably really good at math. I had to type it out to make sure I had it right and proof check it. Okay, 10 camels can drink 20 gallons of water each. Carry the one. We're at 200. 200 gallons of water. And it's very likely that she had maybe a five-gallon jar. And so... Somebody asked me already what my bucket was for. Somebody asked me at the first service if I was going to kick it. Um, I hope not. Uh, So she had a five-gallon jar. Let's just imagine that. Have you ever carried a five-gallon bucket that is full of something? Particularly, have you ever carried a five-gallon bucket that is full of water? I mean, it's sloshing everywhere. It's heavy. And so she gave water for ten camels more than likely using some form of a five-gallon jar or so. And so she'd go to the well, fill it up, and then come back and pour the water in the trough. And then go to the well, fill it up, and go back and pour the water in the trough. Now, some of you are really good at math, and you've already figured out how many trips she was going to have to take. Forty. She was going to have to take about 40 trips, assuming she didn't spill any along the way. Forty trips of going to the well, filling it up, and and that's exhausting work. And then some of you have probably already figured out that if it took her, let's say, three minutes of time to go from the well to the trough, well to the trough, three minutes of time, if it takes each trip three minutes, two hours. That's right, 120 minutes. Folks, how many of you can do something straight for two hours? I mean, that's a long time. Two hours of her serving. I mean, I can sleep for two hours, but I mean, doing something else for two hours, that's a long time. And for two hours, she is doing this hard labor, filling up her her jar, pouring it into the trough. I mean, the thing is, it's so remarkable that she does this because all she had to do, all she was responsible for is giving him a cup, giving him something to drink. But she went over and beyond. It was extravagant as she gave this water for his camels to a stranger. She didn't know who he was. She didn't know what the consequences were. She didn't know what he was there for. She didn't ask. She just gave. She demonstrated this incredible generosity. She gave this. She demonstrated what it means to give this maximum effort instead of minimum Rebecca showed us what real generosity is like. 
You know, I, I can't help but think back on Father's Day of this year. We had Reverend Greg Gallagher preach. Reverend Gallagher is a retired pastor from Kentucky that he and his wife, Connie, have relocated here and have become a part of Orange United Methodist Church. And he preached a message on Father's Day about the prodigal son. If you were here, I guarantee you remember it. If you weren't here, you might have seen it online. If you didn't see it online, it's still available. Go watch it. It's a great message. I'll always remember it. But he spoke about the prodigal son in such a way that, you know, so many of us, we only think of the prodigal son and we think about the son that went away and came back who had squandered everything he had with loose living, I think is the, one of the way the translations say. But he comes back. Well, Reverend Gallagher reminded us that the word prodigal is more in reference to the father. The father. Because the word prodigal literally means spending money or resources freely or recklessly, wastefully extravagant, giving something on a lavish scale. Oh, I will always hold on to that message as he reminded us about how our God is prodigal. He gives on almost a wasteful way. He gives so much over and above. That's what Rebecca's done. All she had to do was lower her jar to give him a sip of drink. But instead, she spends at least the next two hours. Two hours giving giving her life away, giving herself away, demonstrating this incredible generosity. And so as we look at the story of Rebecca, I think there are some things from Rebecca's story that we can live into so that we might be those people of generosity that God has called us to be in the way that we live, the way that we serve, the way that we love, the way that we give. I believe that God uses this story today to tell us several things, but one of those is, I believe you can't be both generous and legalistic at the same time. All that she was required to do was to give water to the stranger. She didn't have to water the camels. She didn't have to do that. Had she been legalistic, she would have given him water and been on, on her way. And yet she was led not by the legal legality she was led by love. You can't be legalistic and generous and loving at the exact same time. Now, look, I believe I, I'm a rule follower. I love following rules. And if somebody else isn't following the rules, that bothers me, especially if we all are expected to live up to the same kind of rules. I, that bothers me if somebody's not living up to that rule, except for when I get out onto the highway. <laughs> I see that, that, that posted recommendation of a speed that you should be going. I, I take that under consideration. And, well, yeah, we all, we're rule followers, but we pick and choose which rules we're going to follow. And the thing is, if we're so obsessed with following every letter, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to be loving, and we're going to miss out on the opportunity to be generous. We are called to lean into that love. And when we become so legalistic, following the letter of the law, what happens is we become hardened. We become arrogant. We become judgmental. I believe God calls us to go beyond that. I believe God calls us to be obedient. But that obedience should lean into the love. That obedience should lean into the generosity and the grace which we have received and which we also share with others.
And so I think from Rebecca, we can see she wasn't legalistic. She was going to lean into generosity. She was going to lean into love because she went way beyond what the legal ramifications were. And so that's important for us. I think also another thing that we can learn is you can't go the second mile until you go the first mile. You can't go the second mile until you go the first. Had she not given the water to the servant, she would not have given water to the camels. It wouldn't have, I mean, what good would it have been for her to just have given water to the camels but not given water to him? You can't go the second mile until you go the first. And so many times we keep holding on and waiting, saying that one day we're going to go that second mile. One day we're going to do that kind of thing. But what, what does that one day look like? Look, I'm, I'm human too. No shock. But when we hear on the news that the lottery numbers, we hear that lottery numbers are getting up there, we start thinking, what I could do with that money. Man, if I won the lottery, I would give this much to the church. They could build a whole new structure. I would do this. I would give this away. I would do this. I might buy a place in Hawaii. I would do, we figure out all the things we would do if we won the lottery. You know, I, I have a confession to make. I bought a lottery ticket one time. <laughs> I bought a lottery ticket, and what's really, truly ironic, when I bought it was not long after the North, state of North Carolina approved the education lottery. And as United Methodist, we do not support gambling in any kind of way. And so I spoke out. I wrote letters to the editor. I was a voice in opposition to the education lottery being approved in this state. And so I thought, oh, how rich and ironic it would be If my one ticket, if my one ticket that I bought, that I won, and couldn't you see it on the headline, local pastor wins. (laughs) You know, we say what we would do with it when we get it. The thing is, what are you doing with what we got? I mean, we got to go the first mile before we can ever go the second. And what good is it saying what we would do if we got there, if we're not doing it with what we have now? I believe that God calls us to be a, a generous person with our time, with the way that we serve, the way that we live, and the way that we give. I believe if if we're not doing that in the first mile, it's not going to happen in the future. It's not going to change. So we got to start living it now with what we have. Though limited it may be with our time, with our gifts, with our service, it may be limited. But we've got to walk that first mile together. That's what Rebecca does. Rebecca went that first mile in offering him the water. She didn't stop there. She kept going for at least two more hours of hard work. I think there's probably a hundred things we could learn from Rebecca, but the last thing that I want to focus on today is that extra blessings come from extra effort. Extra blessings result from the extra effort. I mean, she could have just stopped with just giving him some water. She could have gotten just enough water for the camels not to drink until they were done, but she could have given them some and said, you know what, that's all I got. That's all. I don't have time for any more. I've got to go. I've got other things important to do. But what sets her apart from all the others that could have been, all the others that came to the well that aren't even named and aren't even mentioned, what sets her apart is she went over and beyond. See, she went over and beyond so much so that she ultimately became a part of the lineage that would lead to our Messiah. 
for she lived into this generosity so much that generations later, that impact of that act of generosity would continue to be felt. And you know, there's extra blessings that come along from that. It reminds me, I know I told this story not too long ago, so if you've heard it before, bear with me, I'll be brief. But a few years ago, we had a calamity at our house where there was water and flooding, and we used every sheet and towel in the house to try to dry up all of the water. It sounds very similar to what happened in downstairs of the educational building. So we used our towels, our sheets, and somebody from the church had found out about what had happened, and they came, and they said, bring me all of your laundry tomorrow. Bring it to the church, and I will wash it for you. I said, oh, you don't have to do that. She said, I know. I don't have to do that, but I want to do that. Well, I'm a proud person. I'm the one that helps others. They don't help me. And so I showed up at the church that day, and she showed up, and she came to my office, and she said, where's my laundry? I said, oh, you don't have to do that. I left it at home. We'll take care of it. And she looked at me and pointed in my face and said, don't rob me of my blessing. (laughs) I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And I went and got the laundry. What she was saying is, She wanted the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. And I was keeping her from that if I didn't bring that laundry. You know, I believe that extra blessing comes from that extra effort. And I forever will be blessed by the gift that she gave us that day. By doing that act of service for us. That we didn't ask her to do. But she offered it to show us this love. Extra effort brings extra blessings. And Rebecca's extra effort led to her being a part of that lineage leading to Jesus Christ. And we have seen that lived out before. We've seen that lived out here on this campus through the people of Orange. We have seen that through the people that would put up with five-year-olds in Sunday school as they tried to listen and sit still while they heard a lesson. We have seen that kind of generosity going above and beyond when people volunteer to serve in the nursery, changing diapers of somebody's baby that isn't their own. We have seen that generosity through people that offer themselves as a servant to be a part of a mission trip. We've seen that lived out through people that are willing to get here early to be a part of setting up everything and being ready. We're going to see it lived out just in a moment through those who ring the handbells to give of themselves. When we give of ourselves, we are leaving an impact that is going to be felt for generations. I believe that God has called us to follow the model of Rebecca. Be generous. God created us in his own image. And God is a generous God, and that means he put within us the capacity to love and to be merciful and to be generous with the way that we live in communion with one another. Such a day. I learned from a lot from Rebecca. May we live into a life like Rebecca where we're giving ourselves away. Let us pray. God, in your grace and your mercy, you gave us the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who went above and beyond when he offered himself up as a sacrifice to pay a price that we ourselves could never afford, that we ourselves could never pay. And Lord, today, maybe we struggle to believe that you could love us so much, that you could be so generous. Lord, by your spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to the possibility 
that there is nothing we could ever do to separate us from your love. That you will always be reaching out with extravagant generosity and grace and mercy to be poured out upon us. And in response to that incredible gift, Lord, may we be a people that live into this incredible opportunity to show others that there is truly a God that loves them. May we be willing to not just hit the minimum requirements, may we go above and beyond in those areas that we may struggle with legalism. May we lean into your grace and into your love. And Lord, through it all, may the world see you through the way that we live and the way that we love. We offer all of this to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.